Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan, and together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And throughout this coronavirus pandemic, we've been staying pretty close to home, spending time inside, and telling each other some of our favorite stories from past adventures, and hearing some of your stories as well. Uh, You can go back and, of course, check out our six-episode Campfire Stories mini-series. But, Jamie, we're turning the page from that series of Campfire Stories back to the present moment and to the near future. Yeah, you know, Jim, things are really confusing right now. I don't know about you, but I've been getting, like, a ton of questions from people asking, where can I go? What am I allowed to do? How can I stay safe while hiking or boating or biking outside? And so we're going to spend the next few episodes digging into those questions. And hopefully by the end of it, we'll be able to start making recommendations again for places where you can go outside and enjoy nature safely. Yeah, we're we're not quite ready to start recommending those places just yet. As it stands today, and we're recording on Monday, May 18th, Governor Kate Brown still recommends people throughout the state, avoid non-essential travel. And that includes vacations or day trips throughout Oregon. But today, we wanted to stick with the big question that seems to be on everyone's mind right now, which is, what's going on with all of these outdoor area reopenings? And Jamie, I've been following this, uh, but I know you've been keeping an even closer eye on it. So what's going on, man? Yeah, Jim, welcome to my world of this confusing reopening and closure situation. It's been crazy. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen just a slew of park reopenings from a lot of different local land management agencies across the Northwest. Whether it's local parks, the Forest Service, state parks, there's just been a ton of places that have been reopening, but there's also been a lot of places that are still closed. Some places are going to probably be closed for a little while longer, probably places like the Columbia River Gorge. And some spots are probably going to reopen in the time between us recording this podcast mm-hmm. and you people listening to it. So it it really is changing day by day, moment to moment. And for the most up-to-date information, I put together a running list of outdoor reopenings and closures in Oregon. Um, so definitely check that out before you go anywhere. 
we can link to that in the show notes on Oregon Live, and you can take a look at that um, whenever you want to go out and enjoy nature. For now, though, I think we should just talk more generally about what kinds of places are reopening and what those places might look like during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, Jamie, I think this kind of calls out for like a Q&A here, right? Talking through some of the biggest questions that folks have right now about where they can go, what they can do, how they should do it. So let's jump right in. First things first, how far should folks be traveling right now? Yeah, this is a big question. Uh, Right now, what some state officials are saying is that if you live in an urban area like the Portland metro area, they're asking that people not travel more than 50 miles from home, which for us takes out a lot of these farther flung destinations that we really like to travel to. It's kind of, you know, basically areas that are within or close to the Portland metro area. That's probably going to change. And if we're being realistic, a lot of people probably will not be abiding to that. I understand that people want to still go to the coast or they want to still go down to the mountains. So at the end of the day, you're really going to have to just make a judgment about how far do I feel safe going. And just keep in mind that some of these communities that you might be going to, like Hood River and Cannon Beach, for example, both of which have said, we don't want tourists coming in right now. Yes, some things are reopening, but we want people to stay away from our town for the time being. Mm -hmm. So the farther you go, you need to remember like you're going to gas stations or if you need to get food somewhere or if you need to stop at a rest stop. These are all places where you are needing to take your health into consideration, especially rest stops and bathrooms. These are places that that are really at, at a higher risk for transmitting this disease. So the closer you stay to home, the safer you're going to be ultimately. And also, Jamie, worth noting, too, that it's it's your health and the health of other folks as well, right? So you just don't want to unwittingly uh, expose others to the virus, regardless of what you get up to. So a lot of the news right now has centered around the gradual reopenings of outdoor recreation areas. And one of the land management agencies that's kind of slowly reopening a lot of its properties is the Oregon State Parks. Are the Oregon State Parks? I don't know my grammar, I guess, Jamie. Is or are? <laughs> uh, but and what's going on with them? Uh, fix my grammar and tell me what's up. Yeah, that's that's been what a lot of people in Oregon have wanted to know, because these are the areas that we love to go to. I mean, that when you think about going outside, a lot of us start thinking about Oregon State Parks as the places we really want to get back to. Now, the state park system in Oregon decided to do a gradual reopening. So whereas Washington State Park, what they did was they opened up the vast majority all in one day and left a handful of them, about eight or so parks, mostly in the gorge, where they said, we're going to keep these ones closed, but everything else can reopen. Oregon, conversely, did started with about eight parks and then has slowly added more as we go along. So at this point now, a large number, if not the majority of Oregon State Parks are open But a lot of the most popular areas are still closed. So the North Coast, for example, where a lot of Portlanders like to go travel from Astoria down through Neskowin, that is all still closed. All those beach access points, all of those parks, as well as the Columbia River Gorge, both in Oregon and in Washington, is still completely closed. So those are the two biggest spots that people like to go to. But 
every week, it seems, we have a new big popular state park reopening. So today, and again, this is Monday, we just uh, saw the news that Silver Falls has reopened partially to visitors. Last week, Smith Rock also partially opened to visitors. So it's really kind of a day-by-day situation with which parks have reopened. But the trend right now is towards more and more parks reopening in Oregon. Of course, that doesn't mean that the park experience is the same that you're used to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I was going to go with that, Jamie, is folks are having assuredly a different experience here when they enter these parks, right? So what does it look like? I can only speak to the one state park that I've been back to since they started reopening, which is Tryon Creek here in Portland. But what I think folks can expect to see is limited services and limited facilities. So some of the restrooms that you're used to being open, maybe all over the park, are maybe going to be closed. I know at Tryon Creek that their restrooms went down to a one-person or one-family restroom, and they had a one-way line with a social distancing queue Mm -hmm. to line up to use that bathroom. So this is really one of these situations where if you're used to having facilities available, you can't necessarily make that assumption anymore. So you really need to take that into consideration for maybe going to the bathroom before you go. It might be as simple as that, or just being prepared um, for those closures, you know, bring your own water. They're still asking that people stay socially distant as they recreate outdoors, which means keeping that six feet, whether you're at a picnic area or if you're on the trail, you know, sticking close to people who maybe you are in your own household but keeping that six feet of social distance away from other people who you don't know or who don't live with you directly. And one of the things that Oregon State Parks is also asking is that everyone bring a face mask. Governor Brown has not made it mandatory by any means that people have to wear face masks outside, but it, it, the Oregon State Park system is saying, you know what, folks, if you're going to come out here, at least bring one with you, at least have one in case you need it. And and I mean, that's for, it's kind of, it all comes back to being a good steward of the space and trying to be respectful of everyone around you, right? So maybe you've decided, uh, geez, there's there's no one around. Uh, I'm out in nature right now and I haven't seen anyone in 20 minutes. I'm going to put my mask away. Um, Sure, if no one else is around, uh, you know, it's, fine to not be wearing a mask as far as I'm concerned. But uh, if you're on a densely populated trail and try on Creek, I personally would want one uh, because there's not really much of a way to pass one another without kind of entering into someone else's six foot bubble, I would think. I don't know about you, Jamie, but uh, I will be carrying one uh, when I'm in areas where I think other people are probably going to be. Yeah, I think we we can get into this really in a, on a deeper level on a future episode here soon. But I, I definitely am carrying face masks with me yeah. at the very least. You know, I like the neckerchief, I think is a nice way to do it. I've been seeing people rocking the neckerchief where it can kind of go up and down depending on if you're close to people or not. Um, that's a fun way to do it too. And it's a nice, you know, fashion statement while you're on the trail. <laughs> and you're known for your trail fashion, James. So I hear. <laughs> Apparently so. Oh, man. Um, So, I mean, another question, Memorial Day weekend, right, is coming up. uh, And Mm -hmm. camping is one of kind of like those kickoff to the, I mean, summer-like season. I know summer doesn't technically start for quite some time now, but Memorial Day always seems like 
ah, wow, the weather is turning. It feels like spring or summer and it feels good and we want to be outside. And why don't we go camping? And right now, the options to do that, as far as I understand, are much, much more limited than usual. Yeah, that's like the one of the biggest questions I've been receiving, you know, is where can I go camping? Because that's what people love to do out here. It's one of the reasons people live out here is to be able to go camping. Right now, campgrounds, pretty much all campgrounds in Oregon are closed. I don't think I can say all, but the vast majority of them and the ones that we're used to going to are still closed. And as far as I've heard, are going to stay closed until we hear different. So that includes every Oregon State Park campground as well as any of the developed campgrounds in national forests or BLM land, whatever the case may be. Now, that doesn't mean that people cannot go camping, period. The the way it is right now, and again, things are changing uh, very quickly, but as it stands, as we're recording this right now, people can still go camping in dispersed areas, which means backcountry areas in national forests, as long as they don't use a developed trailhead to get there. So there's a lot of like, hunting campgrounds, right? Um, on these back forest roads that you can find and get to, and you can go camp out there. That's okay. You know, folks just need to consider that there's not going to be anything in the way of facilities. There might not be, you know, fire rings. You really have to be safe and you really have to be considerate of the nature around you. If you're used to doing that kind of thing, and you've got these dispersed areas, these hunting campgrounds that you already know of, you know, go ahead and, and do that. That's okay. But I I would say for folks who are used to having campgrounds and don't have a lot of experience going out there and camping in that dispersed fashion, should just wait a little bit until some campgrounds reopen, or at least until trailheads to some of these backpacking sites reopen. And I I do expect that will happen here relatively soon. And and Jamie, I think it's a good time too to kind of note that now is probably not the time to plan your grandest adventure of the year in terms of (laughs) maybe something that's more ambitious, something that requires uh, an unusually large amount of uh, difficulty or risk or something like that. Um, I think it's maybe time to be a little bit more mellow uh, with our ambitions and, you know, just not push it, right? So if, like you said, if you're not used to going out and finding a place in the backcountry to camp, right now probably isn't your best bet for going to try that for the first time. At least that's my two cents. I think you're right on that, Jim. This is not a time where we want to overtax search and rescue crews or forest rangers or medics. I mean, we're still at a time when we want those resources to be available for those who are still suffering from the coronavirus and who still need medical help that way. We don't want to put any of these medical professionals search and rescue folks in danger. Um, you know, I, I would just continue to preach patience for people. Yeah, it's great to get out there and do that ambitious stuff. And we will be able to do that again, I'm sure of that. But right now, let's just take it easy and take things one step at mm-hmm. a time. And you can still go have an ambitious adventure, but just tone it down. My two cents for me personally is I'm toning it back. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the more ambitious stuff that I wanted wanted to do this spring, I'm going to put on the shelf for now. But Jamie, after a short break, we're going to talk about an outdoor activity, one of my favorite things to do, that is accessible once again.
One of the things I love to do in the spring is finally uh, back available. You can go ride chairlifts at Timberline Ski Area up on Mount Hood. Um, and if you're a season pass holder or a pass holder of any kind, down at Mount Bachelor as well. The ski areas are back open. And Jamie, I know we've both written about this a little bit, but things also look different up at Timberline Lodge, kind of the closest skiing resort skiing you can do to the Portland area right now. Yeah, I was really interested by the changes at Timberline because it, it was the first, I think, big kind of recreational attraction to reopen in Oregon, especially because you, you've got the hotel at the lodge there, you know, you've got the ski lifts, you've got everything. And, and it it looks pretty different, doesn't it, Jim? Yeah, it's significantly different. I talked with uh, John Burton, who's a, a spokesman for uh, the ski area and lodge, uh, Timberline at large. And what their plan was is to have basically from the minute that you arrive at Timberline to the time that you get on a chairlift to the time you go try to get a drink or a meal, that experience is going to look completely different. Um, there's going to be, uh, well, it's even before you arrive, you have to get a reservation uh, with Timberline in order to ski. And that reservation, as of the time I talked with him, the plan was to have that um, no more than 24 hours out. So there's a limited number of people who can ski in a given day. You need to make your reservation online. You show up. It's a socially distanced parking lot um, where cars are parked a, a certain amount away from one another. Um, there's some sort of check-in process, I believe. Uh, lift line queues were going to be different. And uh, food and beverage, uh, John said, was likely going to be uh, to-go only. So a lot of differences between how we normally uh, spend our day at a ski resort. But differences that are, by my understanding, allowing Timberline to operate at this point. So I would have to see that as a positive uh, as, as a Pacific Northwest skier. Yeah, and it seems like Timberline is really kind of encouraging people who are maybe more experienced at skiing right now to come back, at least in this first wave. So, I mean, you're not going to see, you know, ski classes, right? You're not going to see rentals. The rental shop is not open right now. So it's not somewhere for like, you know, the the family to go and maybe learn how to ski and have that ski lodge experience you're used to. You, you can't sit down at the restaurants. You can't even sit down inside the day lodge. So it's really for people who love to ski, who know how to ski, who have their own gear to be able to get out there and do it and, you know, help Timberline survive a little bit better. So we're not quite sure yet what that's going to look like for people who who maybe went up to Timberline more casually. Uh, we'll find out, I think, in the future how that will all shake out. And, and I'd say, too, at, at this point in the year, Jamie, I, I think there's a natural drop off uh, of kind of a lot of the really uh, occasional skiers maybe aren't as apt to go out this time of year as they might have been uh, even a month ago or a couple of weeks ago or midwinter. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I could describe it as ski fatigue. At a certain point, people want to get out their kayaks. They want to ride their bikes. They want to go hiking. And skiing might not be the first thing on their radar. And I think Timberline appeals to with its summer operations. And I know we're not into summer yet, but with operations, you know, this late in the ski season appeals to a set of people who are like, 
man, I love to ski. This is what I do. And Timberline's taking some precautions that allow me to do that. Sweet. I'm going to get after it right now. Less so the, I go skiing every couple of years and I rent my gear and so on and so forth. Maybe I'm wrong there, but that's my two cents. Uh, The hardcore skiers can still get after it. So... Uh, Jim, I have to ask, have yeah. you have you been up to Timberline since it reopened? I have not, Jamie. I I have not been skiing now in I'd have to I'd have to look, but it's been about two months, which is oh, man. is the longest I've gone without skiing in I would have to check myself, but I think since some point in twenty sixteen. It's quite a dry spell. It is a dry spell. I've been scheming with my buds about when we're gonna go up and I I just I haven't gotten there yet. Timberline just mm-hmm. reopened. Uh, it, it was Friday of last week, and you know I I'll get up there soon in in some capacity. Either backcountry skiing, probably backcountry skiing, if I'm being honest. But I'm, I'm excited too. I w- I would really like to get back out and and get on the snow. Yeah, I, I I'm really excited for you to get back out there, Jim. And I do think you're right, though. Um, I think we are transitioning into a season where people want to do some other activities. Yeah. I know that's a lot of the questions I'm hearing from readers right now are, can I do some of these activities that I'm used to doing? Do the closures affect that? Um, we're Kind of weirdly, one of the questions I've been getting a lot from people is, can I still go surfing? Huh. Um which is, you know, I have always kind of seen surfing as kind of more of a niche activity, but apparently there's a lot of people who are really interested in knowing about surfing on the coast right now. Um, and it's kind of the same answer for any of these, whether it's kayaking, mountain biking. There's been no limit on what kinds of activities you can do out there. The limitations are on whether or not the places where you do those activities mm-hmm. are open or closed. Yeah. So... Like if you live near a beach access point or if you live on the beach and you can access the beach legally from your house, for example, you can go out there and go surfing to your heart's content. That's fine. But you can't drive down to, say, Short Sand Beach at Oswald West State Park, which is closed. So it really comes down to, is this place open? And when a place reopens, if there's going to be limitations on what you can do, they're going to tell you at that specific place. But generally speaking, there's no broad restriction on what kinds of activities you can do outside right now. It's a matter of if you can get there to do it or if that area where you want to do it is physically open. Exactly. One of the big, literally big attractions in Oregon, Jamie, is Crater Lake. What's the latest on whether Crater Lake is going to be open anytime soon? The latest I saw about Crater Lake is that they're still closed. Mm -hmm. National Park Service has said that they are going to begin a phased reopening of national park sites. Um, They haven't said which ones are going to reopen or when. Um, Obviously, we just saw Yellowstone reopen last week. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big one. And I think we're going to see some of them continue to reopen slowly over time here. Crater Lake is still in that time period where not everything is open seasonally. Like it wouldn't have been open all of it normally this time of year mm-hmm. regularly. Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. So we're – they. I mean I could imagine maybe they're going to wait for 
you know, the whole thing to be open and then just open it that way, you know, or they're going to wait until they make sure they have enough staff and equipment to keep it clean. Crater Lake is pretty far out there. It's a place where you kind of have to have bathrooms accessible. Yeah, that's um, a good You kind of have to make sure you have everything uh, available for people who are going to be out there. It's not just the down the road state park. You really need to make sure you have some facilities there available. Yeah, and I, I would say Crater Lake too is a place that um, I love Crater Lake. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know that I'd be rushing there immediately as a traveler. If you have your pick of wherever the heck you want to go, Crater Lake is surrounded by, you know, you do a lot of viewpoint uh, gathering while you're at a place like Crater Lake. You go from viewpoint to viewpoint. Many people see the lake this way. And I would be more apt to go to a place that, uh, say you're going to be getting out on a trail in maybe a different direction than a lot of other folks or uh, spending some time in wide open places as opposed to maybe uh, viewpoints that can become pretty busy pretty fast. Now, of course, you can find yourself some solitude in Crater Lake uh, National Park. That's not a problem. But I think a lot of people do the viewpoint to viewpoint type touring or short trails and I personally would probably apt to stay away from that for the time being, but that's just me. That's a really good point, Jim. I think you're right about that. That is that is the primary way you see Crater Lake. And that, I think that goes for any of these places where you typically gather at viewpoints, like Multnomah Falls, for mm-hmm. example. You know, folks might feel like they really want to go back to Multnomah Falls, but that's a, a place where even the trails around Multnomah Falls are pretty crowded. You know, you're not going to just walk up to the top of Multnomah Falls without seeing anyone. Yeah. No, you're going to see easily dozens or if not a hundred or more people at those viewpoints on those trails. It's not really a place where you can do good social distancing. So that's a good thing to keep in mind when you do start thinking about where do I want to go back out to? Start thinking about where can I get that social distance and where can I feel safe and stay healthy? Yeah. I I think, I mean, the trip planning aspect of things right now, Jamie, and, and, I mean, we hadn't necessarily planned to talk about like planning a trip in the age of coronavirus, but let's say you have a favorite spot and uh, you know that favorite spot's going to be pretty busy. And maybe you have to look for plan B, C, or even D as to what can I do right now that's maybe a better alternative to a known busy place um, kind of in this unusual time. I think when you go out now, you can't just have a plan A. Wherever you go, whatever your plan is, you need to have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And at least one of those plans needs to be turning around and going home because the places were too crowded. This is what they said about Smith Rock. You know, we touched on this a little bit a second ago. Um, They kept the parking limited and the state park system asked people from the Portland area um, and other busy areas in the state to stay at home to not bother coming all the way out there. Because if you're going to drive all the way out to Smith Rock three hours and you just have to turn around and go home because the parking lot's full, that's going to be a really big disappointment. That's going to lead a lot of people to maybe trying to park illegally because they don't have any other idea. But if you go out there, it's full. You say, okay, that's no big deal. Maybe let's go up and check the Cove Palisades or let's go over and check Lapine. Um, you know, or maybe you checked some BLM sites in the, in central Oregon and saw that some of those were open, you know, whatever the case may be, have a couple of backup plans in mind, because I, I think Jim, that a lot of these outdoor spaces are probably going to be pretty crowded for the time being. 
we have this kind of perfect storm of people who want to get outside, who have been cooped up, plus a lot of people who are maybe without a job right now and have a lot more time to go explore. Mm -hmm. Plus you have people who aren't going to go on vacation, who aren't going to have the big events they usually go to. A lot more people are going to have the opportunity to get outside locally. And I really think that the chance of these places being crowded is a lot higher than it normally is. And yeah. it's normally pretty high. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some record visitation for a lot of these popular park sites this summer and, and throughout the rest. Well, probably not this spring as numbers are limited in some places. But, you know, as they continue to reopen, yeah, you know, the fairs are closed. The concerts are canceled. The traveling that you might want to do might not be a good idea kind of in, in the near to mid-range future. So, yeah, these places are going to be busy. And I know when I'm kind of scheming what I'm going to do as I start to get outside a little bit more, one of the top things on my mind is where can I go that not a lot of other people are? And that means for me, staying away from Smith Rock, unfortunately, a place where I really want to go right now for the foreseeable future. It probably means when the gorge does reopen, probably means I'm not going to go there right away. And it also means that I'm probably not going to go to the North Oregon coast either when it does reopen. Yeah, that leaves the question for a lot of people, I think, is of where can I go? Where should I go? And again, that's a question that I really want to hold off right now in answering. Yeah. Because things are so fluid right now with reopenings and we don't know exactly what's going to be open and when, I think in a in a week or two or maybe even three, we'll have a much better idea of what's open, whether we can go camping again, where we can go, what those limitations are like. And at that point, I think we can get back to answering some of those questions about specifically where should we look at going right now to avoid those crowds. For now, though, let's, again, just practice some patience and just maybe stay closer to home for right now and try some of those little parks maybe you have not been to in your neighborhood, doing some of those things that we've talked about on previous episodes about staying active, uh, getting outside in this time of coronavirus. So while things are reopening right now, it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, let's go out there and rush to get to those places right away. You know, let's just maybe pump the brakes a little bit and wait until things really start to reopen a little bit more. I like it, Jamie. Well, we are going to say goodbye for now. But until next time, folks, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.